Welcome to Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast with Elizabeth Crawford, where I dish with trendsetters, tastemakers, and industry experts about everything from emerging trends to marketing strategies to regulatory pressures. When most people hear regenerative agriculture, they either have no idea what it means or they think about it as a strategy to rebuild soil health or reverse the negative environmental impact of farming. But according to the International Sustainability Nonprofit Forum for the Future, the benefits and business opportunities go far beyond the land. Regenerative agriculture systems also have the potential to ease many of the social challenges that threaten the safety and security of people globally, including long-standing inequities. To fully seize the potential for regenerative agriculture and further drive still limited adoption, Forum for the Future is inviting stakeholders from across the value chain, including farmers, agribusiness, food service, retailers, manufacturers, and others, to join it in its ambitious Growing Our Future initiative, which over the last year with funding from the Walmart Foundation has identified four leverage points, including policy change, pathways to market, regional pilots, and financing the transition. In this episode of Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast, Mary McCarthy, the program lead for the initiative, shares how regenerative agriculture can improve not only the environment, but social equity and public health as well. She also shares how Forum for the Future is working with stakeholders to overcome three main challenges to the adoption of regenerative agriculture, including policy changes, financing, and creating a pathways to market. Finally, she shares a starting point for stakeholders that recognizes the enormity of the challenge of agriculture and food industries are facing, but also offers grace and flexibility depending on where those farmers are in the adoption journey and the resources that they have available. For the past 25 years, Forum for the Future has focused on accelerating the transition to a just and regenerative agriculture by identifying and cultivating systemic approaches to some of the most critical challenges facing our world today, including climate change and social equity. So according to McCarthy, agriculture and the food system lay at the heart of both of these challenges, both as causes and solutions. Regenerative agriculture, uh, as I kind of mentioned, is is growing in prominence because of this um, recognition of the contribution that our agriculture system uh, makes to some of these really pressing and urgent global crises that we have. Um, there's <clears throat> estimates of the externalized environmental costs of mainstream agriculture uh, being around $85 billion annually. Um, we, the, you know, the extent to which soils are lost through our current agricultural practices, 8 to 10 percent of greenhouse gas emissions contributing, uh, coming from farming. Um, but then I think, so that's a little bit of the environmental picture, right, that agriculture contributes significantly to some of these really pressing challenges around climate change, around water, soil quality, and biodiversity. But on the other side of the equation, I think we also recognize that um, the status quo of agriculture is not working from a social outcome perspective either. Um, the bankruptcies by farmers in the United States continues to rise year on year. 98% of farmland in the United States is owned by white individuals. Um, and so the social equity component isn't working for the agriculture system anyway. And so 
I think there's been this kind of um, growth and recognition of both the um, contribution of our agriculture system to these big challenges, and as I said, also this real opportunity for agriculture to provide the solution, right? Um, soil is a natural place um, to store and sequester carbon um, while we continue to look for technologies and solutions that can address the climate crisis. Uh, plants do that naturally, right? They naturally sequester carbon for us. And so if we can shift our agriculture system to better reflect the natural ecosystems, um, I think we know that there can and there's evidence that we can help address things like climate change and, and the biodiversity crisis, um, help to address some of these challenges around water that we're seeing, particularly here in the Western United States. Well, the potential for regenerative agriculture to address climate change may be the easiest to understand, McCarthy explains it's only a fraction of the benefit the movement offers. It also can address several cracks in the social foundation on which communities are based and with which they struggle. Um, in terms of how I think about how regenerative agriculture can help address um, some of these challenges around social equity, um, I, I really think about the extreme pressure that farmers are under today. Um, and one of the key principles that we um, have adopted within Growing Our Future is that we want all of our work to, to really center farming communities. Um, and so I think we want to think about what are those forces and factors that are extracting value from farming communities, and then how would those look different in regenerative agriculture systems? And so some of the qualities of regenerative agriculture that I think will help get us towards those positive social outcomes um, are things like localizing and diversifying production systems. So when we look kind of at the farm level at um, what's going to help us better, again, kind of mimic the natural ecosystems um, on, on which we depend and also help us get to some of these environmental outcomes that drive um, the regenerative agriculture movement today, I don't think of them just as the adoption of a, a subset of practices, whether that's no-till or cover cropping, but really a, a full kind of a, a change across the, the farming landscape. And so a farmer might be going from producing one or two things in rotation to four or five things that are intercropped and um, include the integration of livestock. And so from a farmer perspective, um, I think that adds resilience. It adds this kind of diversification of revenue streams. Um, it certainly adds complications, and we need to think about how um, we're providing stable and supportive pathways to market for each of those new goods and products, um, but really thinking about how that diversification supports resilience. Um, and we also think about then how, um, I think on the other side of that, is thinking about how some of these other social outcomes like maximizing nutrition and public health and and fostering the connection between consumers and producers so that people really understand how these goods are made, right? Like what does your broccoli look like when it's coming out of the ground before it gets to you in the grocery store? Um, and so really trying to get beyond, um, I think certifications and standards are really useful and important and a kind of proxy for trust and transparency in the system. Um, but what we really want to be pushing towards is building that connection um, between consumers and our production systems. And then I guess the final kind of social outcome piece that I would really highlight is um, around this idea of 
um, working towards maximizing nutrition and public health rather than where I think we focus right now, which is around maximizing yield and calories. And that shift is actually really important, and, and it's still a quite emerging area of research, but there's a lot of great research being done right now around how on-farm practices actually shift the quality of the nutrient density in the foods that we're producing, whether um, that's organic and, and reducing um, pesticide usage, but also actually just like the, the nutrient quality and quantity in, in the food and, and starting to see the evidence that that improves under regenerative practices. So I think, I think things like that are really exciting too. Um, but I think what we're pushing is that regenerative agriculture uh, or what we're encouraging is that regenerative agriculture needs to start to um, wrestle with some of these things like equitable value distribution. How, if someone is spending a dollar on food at the grocery store, how is that really divided between the, the farmer, the farm workers, the farm communities, the distributors, the processors, and the retailers? And, and what does that value distribution look like that's really going to help um, foster those thriving regenerative agriculture systems? To achieve the full environmental and social benefits offered by regenerative agriculture, Form for the Future's Growing Our Future initiative has identified three significant hurdles that stakeholders across the value chain will need to address together. Um, this idea of you know, thriving regenerative agriculture systems is uh, both big and lofty and depending on the day feels both like inspiring and, and daunting in equal measure. Um, and, and we know there are some really big challenges um, that are getting in the way of this transition. Um, we we uh, published a report last year that kind of outlined a full suite of these barriers that was informed by a very diverse group of stakeholders from indigenous communities um, to farm worker communities to corporate stakeholders and, and kind of everyone in between. Um, and so, you know, welcome folks to kind of take a deeper look at that. But where we've gotten to now is focusing on these kind of three broad buckets of, of areas that feel like they're um, particularly difficult to work on and particularly in need of um, a collective and collaborative approach to try and shift the barriers. And so the first one is policy. Um, I think, you know, it's uh, pretty reasonable and perhaps unsurprising that policy and, and particularly big pieces of agricultural policy like the Farm Bill really underpin um, so much of the way our agriculture system works today. And so we really need to think about what are the specific policy changes that are going to help kind of shift that foundation towards these um, regenerative outcomes. Um, things like yield being built in as the default measure of success, that's, that's in the Farm Bill, right? That's in our policy. And so I'm trying to think about what are those types of changes that can bring us closer to that vision within the policy sphere. Another one um, that we've been talking a lot about is financing the transition. So we know that um, we need to make this work for farmers, right? Farmers will shift their practices and start to go on this journey towards regenerative if the system uh, provides the conditions for that to be the easy choice. Um, we need to create those enabling conditions for farm communities, and one of those is financing. And what we've heard from our Growing Our Future participants is that 
farmers face this chasm of uncertainty, right, as they try and make this transition and actually require different types of financial support and financial tools and mechanisms at different points um, in that transition. And so we're really trying to think about how do we start to bring together those different tools um, and financial mechanisms at different points in that journey and transition to take them from, you know, just starting to think about how they can, um, you know, address um, the soil health on their land in a, in a little bit of a different way towards the end goal, which is really having uh, a thriving regenerative farm and regenerative business. Um, and so we're looking at sort of how do you bring those different financing puzzle pieces together across that transition timeline. And then the other kind of critical barrier that we're starting to look at is this question around pathways to market. And so what we kind of consistently hear, both from farm communities as well as from um, corporate stakeholders, is that there's this real disconnect between farmers and buyers. And so as corporations are starting to come out with these regenerative agriculture commitments, they're actually really struggling to find um, farmers who are interested or already have made the transition to regenerative agriculture. Um, for many companies, they're not really set up to find farmers, right? They're used to going through um, distributors and aggregators, and, and there's actually this opacity within um, our market pathways that make that really tough. And of course, from the farm community perspective, if they're going to take on some of this risk of going on the transition to regenerative agriculture, one of the critical ways to mitigate that risk is to help them have secure demand pathways, to have a clear demand signal. Um, as I, I said, kind of going from this, maybe producing one or two things on their land to four or five and really helping them to navigate that complexity of um, market pathways. And that's a really naughty one. I think that's a, a big one that what we find is that for farmers and companies that have been working uh, on regenerative agriculture or exploring regenerative agriculture for maybe three or four years, they are running into that pathway to market barrier. Um, however, folks who are maybe just starting to dip their toe into the water of regenerative agriculture, um, I think are still kind of in that place of trying to um, you know, wrap their brains around um, the just like immense um, amounts of information and complexity on the topic. And so uh, that pathway to market one feels like one that's just emerging and we're really going to see um, kind of come to the fore in the next year or so. While many of these challenges originate or focus on the farm level, McCarthy notes that the brunt of finding and executing solutions cannot fall on the farming community alone. Rather, food manufacturers and retailers will need to do much of the heavy lifting to successfully execute change at scale and at a speed that's impactful. In terms of the role that then food companies play in trying to accelerate the transition to regenerative agriculture, certainly I think for many um, what we're seeing is the first step is just making a commitment to this. Um, of course, what the details of that commitment matter a lot in terms of what they're committing to and the timeline um, and what each company means by regenerative agriculture because it does vary from, from company to company and organization to organization. Um, but then I think it's really just about trying to do the work to shift these 
um, pathways to market. Uh, one of the big things we're looking at and, and talking to folks about is just um, elevating the examples of really great work that's happening on on the ground, but um, kind of at this middle level of impact. So within regenerative agriculture, I think there's a lot of conversation around scale right now because we know that there's some really great um, either kind of inspiring farmers, um, but they feel rather niche and rather small. Um, and at the same time, we see um, some some growth and adoption of a, a kind of subset of agricultural practices across, um, you know, more significant acres of land. But but I think what we need to start working towards is this kind of middle ground of scale scale that is providing the regional context specificity, um, the regional infrastructure, the regional support to pathways to market through that processing pipeline. Um, but that that kind of bridge that gap between, um, you know, really great things happening at a small scale and some incremental progress at uh, a large scale. And, and that middle area is really um, the need for, for growth and development. And um, so I think that for companies, that investment piece, not getting beyond investments in the pilots, because um, I think we've seen some real progress there, but actually rethinking how they approach procurement um, and getting kind of out of what can sometimes be a, a siloed corporate sustainability team and really engaging with that procurement team to think about their contracting terms, um, their price premiums, how that profit is being distributed that's going to really create um, those financial enabling conditions for farmers to transition. I think once we start getting into that space, um, we'll start seeing some of these uh, bigger movements in that that um, pathway to, to scale and acceleration. With this in mind, McCarthy is calling on food manufacturers, retailers, and other stakeholders farther along the value chain to make bold commitments to regenerative agriculture that do not place the burden on the farming community. I'm a little bit reluctant, if I'm being honest, to put the burden on farming communities um, to make the change. I really think it's incumbent upon um, those of us connected to and engaged with the agriculture system to create the conditions for that change, for that transition, for them to be easy, whether that's providing the technical assistance, um, whether that's uplifting the really great practice that's already happening, or creating these financial conditions for it to be the obvious um, business case for them. I think what we hear consistently from our farm community partners is that They'll, they want to be making these changes. They want to be good stewards of the land. And the only reason we're in the situation we are right now is because the system has not been set up to allow them to do that. Just because most of the heavy lifting will fall to brands and retailers doesn't mean that farmers are off the hook. McCarthy also calls on them to be open-minded to change and to embrace partnerships that will manifest the necessary change. Finally, McCarthy calls on consumers to educate themselves where their products come from, how they're made, and to use their dollars to support companies investing in regenerative agriculture. Now, recognizing that change of this magnitude is hard and will take time, 
Form for the Future's Growing Our Future initiative has laid out a detailed strategy for the next three years and a report that's available on its website at www.formforthefuture.org slash scaling-regenerative-agriculture-in-the-us. A lot of dashes there, but I bet you can find it. So listeners can also find out there how to get involved no matter where they are in the adoption cycle. With this, we've reached the end of another episode of Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast. I hope that you enjoy this installment and will join me again next week. To help you remember, I encourage you to subscribe to us. Until next time, this is Elizabeth Crawford wishing you a productive, profitable, and safe week and a happy new year. 